you know, look, I, I stand up and I do a press conference every week or every other week, and I feel like I'm asked more about what's going on in Washington than, than our own delegation uh, has to answer to sometimes. Welcome to another edition of the New Hampshire Journal Podcast. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. So glad that you're here. Great guest coming up, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Georgia, Jeff Duncan, is going to be the first speaker this fall at a speaker series at the Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College, where my buddy Neil Levesque does a terrific job. We're going to get a preview of the Lieutenant Governor's take on how to move forward in his book, GOP 2.0. couple of things first, though. Thank you for signing up for the New Hampshire Journal newsletter, Monday through Friday, every morning. If you aren't getting it, just go to nhjournal.com. There's a little box on the right. You can sign up right there. Thank you for all the feedback of our coverage of the Executive Council vote to reject the uh, federal funds for vaccine distribution. We've, I've, uh, our latest analysis piece has inspired quite a bit of passion and in response, and for those of you who've suggested that I have an inappropriate uh, relationship with my mother, that is not true, but I certainly appreciate the feedback. Email anytime, newsnhj at insidesources.com. If you ever see or hear a story that you think uh, our fellow political junkies would enjoy, please send it, newsnhj and insidesources.com. We are a political junkies website. I, we, yes, I am from the right. Don't hide it, but we are in, more interested in the stories that people who follow politics and treat politics like sports are into than we are in picking teams. Now, having said that, sometimes one team does something that's hard not to notice. And it was hard not to notice that after the executive council voted on state contracts and how the state should handle COVID, because, you know, they're the state's executive council, there was a flood of response uh, via press release and social media from our federal delegation. I think that's interesting because it's not like our federal delegation doesn't have stuff to do or stuff to talk about. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. It's kind of obscure, but there is this $3.5 trillion budget proposal or reconciliation bill, if you want to call it that, that's out there. And it, can, it contains things like fundamentally changing how IRAs work. A lot of retirees care about stuff like that. Has a hundred billion with a B dollars for quote free community college, which is interesting because number one, the community college system is the worst performing sector of education. Uh, the average graduation rate, as I recall, nationwide for community colleges is 25%, 25%. Uh, and uh, the, number two, giving away free community college is going to put more pressure on the workforce shortages. They're going to create more workforce shortages because people who would be going out to get a job are like, hey, free community college? What the heck? Why not? So that, once again, I, I'd love to know what Senator Shaheen and Senator Hassan think about those aspects. The bill contains that infamous $600 IRS uh, bank account monitoring uh, proposal. And just to correct something that Governor Chris Sununu keeps saying over and over again, getting wrong, nothing personal, Governor, it is not. If you have a $600 deposit, the IRS marks your account for review. No, it's if you have a total of $600 in deposits in an entire year. You're a kid and you mow lawns. You hit the $600 mark, bing, you're in the, your, your account is in the group for the IRS to take a look at. Is that a good idea? Bad idea? Is it appropriate? The New Hampshire Bankers Association hates it. Virtually every banking association hates it. 
What about Senator Shaheen? What about Senator Hassan? What about Representative Custer, Representative Pappas? They won't talk about it. Now, they will talk about the state executive council and its vote on the state's six-month abortion limit because they object to uh, limiting abortions after six months. They, they all support abortion, uh, unlimited abortion for any reason up to the day of birth. That's fine. I, their position can be what it wants. And if there's federal legislation about that, and there actually is, love to hear their take on it. But why is the federal delegation talking about the executive council votes and not talking about, refusing to talk about, refusing to answer questions about the legislation coming before them? There's there's some border issues. I don't know if anyone's heard anything about this, but <laughs> the equivalent of the population of New Hampshire has been encountered at the southern border just since Joe Biden took office. Another New Hampshire has crossed the border. Some of them were stopped. Some of them were released. Some of them were given notices to appear. And then you know, many of those will not appear. And on and on, there's a whole, but there's a, that's an interesting thing. There's a report that the Department of Homeland Security is considering using facilities in Vermont, New Hampshire, and upstate New York as a place to house people from the southern border as they go through the various processes. Would you think it's interesting that there were going to be illegal immigrants being kept possibly in New Hampshire? Would it be particularly interesting when your own U.S. Senator sits on the Homeland Security Committee? I think it's interesting. Maybe it's just me. Maybe crazy Michael Graham. And that, what's that nut job up to? I find all of these topics, not to mention the massive tax proposals, $2 trillion and more in tax increases, taxes on corporations who make our stuff and then sell it to us, getting a 20 or 25% tax hike at a time where we have the highest inflation in 13 years. I'm not an economist, but even I go, hmm, stuff costs more. The people who make the stuff are going to have a 25% tax increase. Stuff might cost even more. Maybe you know, that that's something to be to, to take into consideration. Can't take into consideration when the delegation has not held a single open press event, not one in the past three years, not one single open press event. Literally, the Taliban have literally held more open press events and taken more questions from the press who show up than our entire delegation combined. And, and for those Democrats who get upset when I say that, you do know I'm not praising the Taliban. <laughs> I'm not saying, boy, what a great job the Taliban's doing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I find all that absolutely fascinating and you can read about it at nhjournal.com. Follow us on Twitter, DV underscore journal, and we're on Facebook as well. And if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, please do. And also, please, if you have signed up, share it with your friends. If you have political junkies, political geeks, please forward our newsletter along. Have them sign up as well. We, I, I think we have a lot of fun. Got a great conversation coming up about the future of the Republican Party, an event at San Anselm College. And it's brought to you by my friend, Dr. Bruce Houghton at PerfectSmiles.com. I love Dr. Bruce. He's been my uh, dentist. I was trying to pick it up like, for... Oh, 15 years now? Oh my gosh. And he's done a fantastic job. And I'm not going to roll back through my history of having really horrible teeth and having to do this TV stuff and having to have work done and then it all comes out. It's great. I'll just say this. If you've thought about having your perfect smile and the professional you talked to at the time was talking just about implants or just about veneers or the cost was like crazy, 
you need to get more information because one of the great things about Dr. Bruce at Perfect Smiles in Nashua is that he stays on the cutting edge of all the latest technology. He has stuff I never even heard about. You can reshape your smile now. You can use your smile to reshape your face and be more attractive. I, I, I barely understand it, but I know this. I understand what a great job Dr. Bruce does, how careful and cautious he is. He had a, a, all the way through the COVID pandemic, they never had a single a transmission of COVID because they were so careful. They care about their patients. He treats me great. He treats my family great. He'll treat you great. Dr. Bruce Houghton, perfectsmiles.com in Nashua. So my friends at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics have an exciting new program coming up. Their bookmark series and the first author who will be visiting them this coming Tuesday, October 19th, is Jeff Duncan, the lieutenant governor of the state of Georgia and author of the book GOP 2.0. Governor, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, great. Grateful to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. By the way, I always, and I, but don't, I know earlier you're doing the thing of don't call me this. I always call elected officials by their honorifics because you guys have to debase and despoil yourselves so much to earn it. I feel like you ought to at least get the label. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, just for the record, I'm really comfortable with Jeff and uh, just <laughs> still, still look over my shoulder when somebody says Lieutenant Governor. I, 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 it's one of the worst things my kids call me as a politician when they get mad at me. I know it, it happens, but you know, and, and I have to tell you, I think America needs needs more politicians. And I will talk about that coming up at the supremacy of your book. I have to warn you, though, that when you come to the Granite State, we have no lieutenant governor because, uh, you know, it's one of the states that figured out what a total scam the job is. So uh, but you well, managed we, to we, somehow we, be lieutenant governor and make some attention, get some get some focus, make some noise. That's un, that's unusual. Yeah. So in Georgia, the lieutenant governor's role came in in the late 40s. So I'm only the 12th uh, lieutenant governor in Georgia's uh, past. And uh, it's a pretty important role here. I mean, I'm not self-flattering myself, but as the president of the Senate, I kind of manage the right. entire Senate process. And so it's a really heavy legislative position and, and I obviously have administrative executive roles too, but, uh, and that's, I'm a policy wonk. I mean, that's really my big, my campaign motto all the way through politics has been policy over politics. I, I nerd out on, on the, on the words on the paper. <laughs> And yet your book is GOP 2.0 about the politics of the Republican Party uh, as opposed to the uh, ideas. So why this book and why now? Well, we, we're in a mess. Um, you know, I could see it coming before the November elections from a policy standpoint. I mean, you could see that we we lost our way. Uh, we were addicted to short term sugar highs. Uh, and then, of course, the events played out between November and January and uh, actually continue to play out where pointing back to fake narratives and conspiracy theories and it's just damaged the brand and it was time to hit the reset button and uh you know i don't think we're that far off from winning again as republicans but we got to change focus and so gop 2.0 is not a new party it's just a refocused better pathway forward that, that really focuses in on those policies and also improves the tone that we deliver it with i mean i think tone does matter uh it feels good to kind of get addicted to the short-term sugar high of punching somebody in the face and 280 characters on Twitter. But the reality is, I don't know if we should, you know, run the Western hemisphere or, you know, be the leader of the free world doing that. I, I just don't think Americans really think that's a long-term strategy of success. So there are plenty of Republicans, plenty of Trump supporters who would say, you know, we listened to that crap all the way through the nineties and the two thousands. You know, we listened to policy talk and libertarians talking about free markets and all this stuff. And what happened, you know, China ate our lunch, you know, the nation's, 
uh, you know, the uh, on social uh, cultural issues, we got completely defeated. You can't turn on your TV without being lectured from some lefty. You can't send your kid to college because college is all dominated. That's what you policy oriented, uh, you know, uh, whatever you call it, free market, libertarian, et cetera, leaning Republicans gave us. What would you say to people who feel that way after, uh, based on events between 2000 and 2016? Yeah, it's a pretty simple answer. It's two words, Joe Biden. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've screwed this up and we've lost our ability to have any seats at the, at the big boys table. Uh, we don't have the House. We don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House. We have no ability to have a real conversation. And we're watching the events of Afghanistan play out. And I say that as a nonpartisan you know, you know, position. I mean, it was embarrassing to watch. I, I watch no answers to inflation other than just more, you know, print more money. I, I you know, I, I watch uh, the southern border. I think the only person in the country that thinks no border security works is Joe Biden. Um, we've got to figure out a way to win again. And that's what 2.0 is. We, we, we can win on the policies, but we can't forget to win in the ballot boxes. Um, and that's really what the strategy is, is, is what can we do to still be conservatives, but, but, but win. Uh, so what would you say to people who say, hey, you know, Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. He's changed the nature of the Republican Party. He's pulled in a bunch of blue collar voters that were sitting there ready to be scooped up. He, he's, uh, you know, uh, open doors to blue collar working members of the uh, uh, black community and the Hispanic community. And, you know, he's made this progress because he walked away from the kind of white collar Republicanism of the previous 20 years. Yeah, well, it, that worked in 16. And, and that was a good thing. I, I definitely think that Donald Trump was a, was a better president than what Hillary Clinton would have been by, by leaps and bounds. Uh, we got to watch conservative policies pull, pull out. But, but here was the problem. And I write about this in the book right out of the gates about this rally that, that, we, that I went to two days before the election here in Georgia. And I was actually kind of the last speaker before the president got up there. And I made a statement. And you could smell in the air this, this sense of... Um, upset coming right i mean there was this this 2016 strategy was not was the same strategy they're using in 2020 but there was a different little different environment i made the silly mistake of saying our policies are so good they even help the people that don't vote for us as a means to build some 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 you know gain some ground in the suburbs right. i got booed i got booed <laughs> by thirty thousand red hats in the crowd because i said that and then i watched donald trump get on stage and spend 44 out of 47 minutes just vaporizing the Western hemisphere mm -hmm. and forgetting to remind people that his vaccine efforts are what really accelerated this through his right. mandate or his policy positions and, and regulation repeals and tax reform. And all those things were great policy wins. He totally forgot to remind 30,000 people and 10 bazillion people watching on TV that that's why he should be reelected. Yeah, it is fascinating. I think, I mean, right now you have a perfect example of, uh, of how a policy conversation would be really great for all the talk about Russia conspiracy and Russiagate and stuff and, uh, and why my fellow members of the media aren't upset about being hoodwinked and lied to about that, that from a you know, dirty tricks straight from the Hillary Clinton campaign. The fact is that as much as some people like me don't like Donald Trump, he was tougher on Russia than Joe Biden has been thus far. And now look at the circumstance. You have this energy shortage across Europe. It's an energy shortage that's spreading across the globe. There's an Axios report as we speak today, uh, Governor, about uh, you know it's going to have an impact on the global economy. Russia's in the catbird seat with Nord Stream 2 finished. All of that on Biden's watch. And unfortunately, as you just pointed out, 
there's no groundwork that's been laid to have that conversation because instead of the Trump administration talking about that and advancing that policy towards Russia or whatever, they were caught up in the Twitter politics of, you know, who said what to who to Ukrainians on a phone call, blah, 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 and all, all that stuff. And there really is, particularly right now in the energy sector, a huge conversation that would benefit uh, Republicans and benefit free marketers, and it's not there. Yeah, so look, um, I think the whole political system in America is broken, but I'm a Republican, so I can only really pick on my team at this point in time and try to fix and heal it. But I will tell you that the way we evaluate politicians uh, is different than the way we evaluate talent and leaders and CEOs in the business format, right? When you sit in the boardroom, you don't just say, was he good or bad? And you make a binary decision. You, you evaluate what you do well and what you didn't do well. And that really is one of those areas of opportunity for us to improve. And GOP 2.0 does not mince words and, 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 and give accolades to, to Donald Trump for the things that he did well in his administration, things of, of you know, foreign policy, the way we understood markets and energy, uh, those were really, really important topics, the, the way we understood uh, how, how, to, how to strengthen our military and really put that global positioning out there. Uh, but then there was things that we need to improve on. And so there wasn't enough votes to win in the previous election cycle. Mm -hmm. And so we, we came in second place, a really, really close second place. But in politics, unfortunately, that means you lost and, and you don't have a chance to, 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 to really shape the policies. And we got to pay the prices for that. And those prices, I think, are going to continue to play out. You know, GOP 2.0 is makes no mystery about this. I mean, this is really one of the reasons why I'm excited to get up there to New Hampshire next week um, is to really kind of start to outline this. It's look, I want GOP 2.0 to significantly influence who the Republican nominee is in 2024 for the White House. We've got to. We've got to have an alternate plan out there to put in place. The longer Donald Trump thinks he's going to be the president again, the longer there's a swath of Americans or Republicans that think he's going to be president again, the, the less our chances are to win. And we got to take our medicine, understand what he did well, understand what he didn't do well, and figure out how to put a plan on the table that works. And uh, that's what GOP 2.0 is all about. And so you have three elements in your approach uh, to uh, uh, designing a strategy for Republicans to win. What are they? Well, the, the first one is we, we got to take our, the, 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 actually the fourth one is we got to take our medicine. We lost the election fair and square and it wasn't rigged. The quicker we move on from that, the easier it is to make these following adjustments. I call it my pet let me, project. Let me, let me interrupt you right there. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no one's listening, just us and a few thousand New Hampshireites. Okay. When you talk to people off the record, when you talk to Republicans off the record, are they as adamant about the idea that 2020 was stolen as they are when they're on the record and they know that what they're saying might end up being seen or heard in Mar-a-Lago at some point. In other words, the answer is, is unequivocally not, right? So here's how this plays out. I'm at the Capitol right now. Uh, and if I walked out in the hall and ran into another elected official, they'd put their arm around me. They look both ways, make sure nobody's listening. They say, man, I'm really proud of you, Jeff. Thanks for being <laughs> honest. Thanks for stepping up to the plate. I know in the long run, this is going to be helpful for us. But right now, I just, I wish my district was a little more supportive or I wish mm -hmm. leadership would right. help me, or I wish Donald Trump would get off the stage. Uh, this is the Wayne Gretzky play, right? The Wayne Gretzky play is he wasn't great because he skated to the puck. It's because he skated to where the puck was going. Right. GOP 2.0 is, is skating to where the puck's going because the weight of reality is going to be right here. And the, and the reality is the election wasn't rigged. That's a shiny object that off gases that Donald Trump missed the layup and, and he's blaming everybody else. That'll fade away, hopefully sooner than later. And then we go, we go tackle this, what I talked about the policy empathy and tone my pet project the policies that we can remind people that we're good at every room we walk into a republican should say look we're best at public safety 
national security and economic growth. Right. We should also start to figure out some of the issues that we ought to have conservative leadership on, like immigration. Right. Build the wall is a great project name, mm-hmm. but it isn't a complete strategy. We need more border security. We need to understand that that border security is not just about illegal immigration. It's about human trafficking. It's about drug flows. Uh, and then we got to have a parallel conversation about the 16 million undocumented folks that are here, many of which are embedded in our economies, paying taxes. They're embedded in our communities and being helpful, uh, solid citizens. Some of them aren't, but we're not willing to have the conversation because it doesn't seem ex- politically expedient. And then I think on the policy front, we got to go pick some big issues to lead on, like healthcare, right? I think America's grown tired of us saying Obamacare stinks. They're like, look, give me something better. Right. Help me help me as a small business owner be able to give affordable insurance to my employees and attract them to come to work instead of staying home to get health care. The E is empathy. Empathy is easy for me to explain. We need to stop running ads with the right people at the right time of the election cycle. And we need to start sitting down at people's kitchen table and asking that single mom with three kids and two jobs, hey, how do we help you improve your life? She's going to say, make my neighborhood safer and make that school better performing so my kids mm-hmm. can have an opportunity to do better than me. And then the T is tone. We just got to do this with, a, with an encouraging tone. Right. You cannot take the short-term sugar high of calling people names and expecting that to be accounted as leadership. You know, it's interesting because you're going to be coming to a state where Governor Chris Sununu is, and he's being hard, recruited hard to run against Senator Maggie Hassan. And the, a lot of uh, political pros I talk to say that the thing he has mastered is tone, that he's just, he's generally smiling. Even when he's angry, he's reluctantly angry. And there's a lot to be learned there from tone. And it's so fascinating to me. And this is why I want to wrap up with this issue of being called, call, you know, calling someone a politician. I used to run campaigns for a living. And obviously, I, and being in the media, I spend a lot of time mocking politicians and beating them up because, hey, that's my job and it's, you know, it's fun. But we need more people to understand that this is the game. The game is politics. And you can show up to the gridiron of politics with your basketball or with your baseball bat. It's not going to help because that's the wrong game. How do you get people who care about you know, their, their community? They really are upset by the cultural drift they see in the U.S. They're upset by what's going on with the jobs, et cetera, and get them to understand if you want to make progress, you have to embrace the game of politics. You can mock it and, you know, and do all the jokes, but in the end, this is the game and you need to get good at it instead of complaining about the fact that you don't like the game. Yeah, I think we got to convince America that leadership does matter. It makes a difference, right? In the business world, a good leader grows a company, encourages them, gets gets the most out of them, allows us to to string big ideas together. And then, and then, you know, I think as a Republican Party, we can own the conversations in so many areas. You know, I think back, uh, little known secret, I used to live in New Hampshire. When I was a kid in the early 80s, I lived in New Hampshire. And I actually told my parents I was going back up there uh, to, to spend some time at the Institute of Politics. And they said, you know, that just takes us back to a period of time where we, they had the chance to vote for Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. They, they had a chance to, I mean, th- that was a leader. It was somebody right. who walked in the room that, you know, and I think one of the most encouraging stats I put in the book is he got more votes in the second term than he did the first term. It, it was right. an inevitability that he was going to win the second term because he just put leadership on display and it matters, right? And, and leadership doesn't mean you get your way. It means you, you, you find a solution. Right. And you talk about politics. My campaign slogan is policy over politics. I've used it since I got in because I actually think that matters. But if you get the policies right, it makes your politics easier. You don't have to bludgeon people in the headlines. You don't have to run five-second you know, snippets on, on YouTube ads to pick on people anonymously. 
because you get the policies, right? It just makes sense around the kitchen table. It makes sense around the boardroom. It makes sense in the neighborhoods at the ball fields. Well, uh, we appreciate that your time here for the podcast. Look forward to seeing you at the uh, New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College this Tuesday night, uh, October 19th. I want to make sure. Yes, I got that right. Uh, thanks right. so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hamp Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening.